Welcome to Veteran Voices, a podcast dedicated to giving a voice to those that have served in the United States Armed Forces. On this series, jointly presented by Supply Chain Now and Vets to Industry, we sit down with a wide variety of veterans and veteran advocates to gain their insights, perspective, and stories from serving. We talk with many individuals about their challenging transition from active duty to the private sector, and we discuss some of the most vital issues facing veterans today. Join us for this episode of Veteran Voices. Today and hello. This is Mary-Kate Saliva with Veteran Voices. Thanks for joining us today as we've got a wonderful, amazing, incredible conversation teed up with a veteran and a huge advocate in the veteran community. Stay tuned for a great discussion. Quick programming note before we get started. This program is part of the Supply Chain Now family of programming. It's The show is conducted in partnership with my dear friends, Vets to Industry. Learn more about this powerful nonprofit that is serving so many folks at VetsToIndustry.org. An initiative near and dear to my heart, the Guam Human Rights Initiative. Find them on LinkedIn and at the University of Guam under the Regional Center for Public Policy. Okay, I can't wait any longer. Without further ado, let's introduce our guest today. Our guest today serves as the president and founder of Military Women's Collective. She's also a veteran of the United States Navy. Let's welcome in Marina Rabinek. My dear veteran sister, how are you today? Hello. Hey, okay. How you doing? How you doing? I am doing wonderful. Thank you. It's so great to have you back. I know you're here on uh, Veteran Voices during a Veteran's Day event about a year ago, I'd say. We were mm-hmm. actually at the very start of our transition from the military. So now you and I are both out of the service, but you know, our hearts still belong to the military. But I think it's so, so great today because you know I'm, I'm an Army veteran, you're a Navy veteran. So we got our little friendly oh, rivalry thing going on. I know you had to add that in there, right? Go I Army. Did, I had to. But I really want folks, because as much as I I know you, I would love for our listeners today to really get a chance and opportunity to get to know you better. The woman behind the scenes doing everything and, you know, Military Women's Collective. So I'd like to start off with some motivation (laughs) and whether no matter what time of day it is, I'm probably you're probably on your like fifth cup of coffee, but I'd love to get started with some motivation and hear Rena, could you share with us a bit of uh, motivation here today? What's your favorite quote? Definitely. Um, Yeah, so I actually have one that is on the homepage of militarywomenscollective.org, the website. Great. It is women belong in all places where decisions are being made. It shouldn't be that women are the exception. And that is by the rest in peace late RBG, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I love that. Gosh, and a powerhouse that you mentioned there and a legend in her own right. Absolutely love that. Love that quote. And I mean, you've been doing a a lot of incredible work for women, especially women veterans, but we're going to get to that a little bit later. But I really want to take everybody back to uh, where you grew up. So where, where could you tell us a little bit about your upbringing? Where did you grow up at? 
I know you have a more unique story compared to most. So let's dive into that. True, true. I mean, people don't normally take me like in the Wayback Machine like this. I don't don't normally go this way. We're going way back. back. (laughs) So I was born in, well, near you actually, where you are right now. Um, The District of Columbia. I was born in Columbia, Maryland, because I know you're in Maryland now. And I was only there until first grade. And then my dad got a position in Illinois. So we moved to this city called Buffalo Grove. And I lived there. And we were there for about first grade and a and little bit of second grade. And then from second grade and, and half a third, mm. for the first time, I moved overseas to Belgium. And so cool. So awesome. And of course, you know, when I came back to the States, so I came back for the other half of third grade, fourth grade and fifth grade to back to Illinois. And all of a sudden I was this Belgian kid. I'm like, y'all know, I just like went to another country and I came back. I'm still an American, sort of. My mother is French. Um, But believe it or not, even though my mother is French, I didn't start learning French until we went to Belgium the first time at around the age of seven. So, you know, my mom was probably like, yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, did we, we went tell that you to... speak, like, how, how was your French then? Like when you did learn, could, could they tell whether you were, did you sound like a native speaker or did I mean, you have an American accent when you, when you speak French? When back then, no. And when I was living in Europe, no. I mean, now I probably do sound like an American trying to speak French because it's been so long since I've actually heard the native way of speaking that, yeah, I think, I think I sound like an, an, an Americanized French person or, or vice versa. But yeah, I mean, I, basically I went back and forth between, between Europe, the States, and I, we lived in Japan for a year when I was in sixth grade too. You know, that's, that's really really traveled the world. Yeah. As a kid, I traveled the world, you know, by the time I was 11, I think. (laughs) I mean, craziness, you know, the amount of different airports that we stopped in, like we stopped in Moscow one time. This was after the Cold War and before the now stuff that's going on. You know, I'm sure we're all sending our love and thoughts and prayers to the Ukraine. But yeah, I just, I loved it being able to grow up in so many different places like that. I mean, it's a, it was an honor, you know, be able to be an expat family member to my dad's career. And I guess that's where I got my love of, of travel and moving around every few years, you know, the way we do in the military, because I'd done it as a kid already every few years. But I will say that you had way more exotic locations than I did in the army. So I will say those, the places that you got to go in your upbringing, absolutely amazing. Definitely on my bucket list to visit at some point. And I did see a suitcase at the airport recently that had a bunch of stickers on it where the person had traveled. And I was like, I always wanted to do that. You know, have my, my vintage little suitcase with stickers from the different places I've gone to really going old school. And for those who don't know, I'm really like a little lady. On the I've inside. got mine right here. My old soul. Oh my goodness. <laughs> See, back I from a like trip I've been living I out of a suitcase. I haven't put it away yet. <laughs> 
Well, something I think since the pandemic, I've been just really itching to go somewhere. And I, I'm, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm practically living out of a suitcase right now, but yeah. I, I really would love to, for our listeners today to hear a little anecdote or two from your upbringing. What are some sort of lessons learned? I mean, you've had such a, you had such mm-hmm. a worldly experience at such a young age. What are some possibly lessons learned that you, you had from that time? Honestly. Okay. I have two things and they, they're both kind of related try your hardest to learn about the culture and the language before you get there and don't act. The second one is don't act like an ignorant American that they're related. Do you see what I'm saying? Like it's, it's a cultural thing, like going over there and assuming going over to any other country other than the U S and assuming that everyone is going to speak English is, is not going to be the case. So trying to, you know, speak the language, they actually, people in Europe, especially, they actually see that as, as, as a great thing that you're actually trying, you know, to, to just assume that everyone speaks English is, 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 is a fallacy. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, that's like a weird rabbit Despite hole. Despite having Duolingo or some kind of Google translator app. Oh my app. gosh. Duolingo um, is so great. Yeah. Rosetta yeah, Stone. Nice. I mean, I have both of those because I was trying to learn back some of my Japanese that I was losing because I was stationed in Japan for over 10 years. Oh my goodness. So I still love everything Japan. And so, you know, I, I, I try, uh, I mean, luckily being in the Navy, sorry, my chair is very noisy. (laughs) Luckily being in the Navy, you know, I'm, I'm able to, I was able to, gosh, I'm able to, no, not, not in anymore. Now you have the the past tense here. Yes. Yeah. I was able to, you know, be stationed in in some great places like you were talking, but, you know, I I was lucky to be um, in Japan multiple times. So well, yeah, you would I mean, love it. I, I mean, you said Japan. I'm literally looking out my window right now and I can see a cherry blossom tree. No, and it is in that. full bloom right now. And I was just thinking, like, oh my goodness, Marina would absolutely love this. So, you know, the it history would. behind like having the the cherry blossom trees in DC right now, Washington, DC, they're just absolutely beautiful. And if you don't know the history, take a look at the cherry blossoms and why there's a festival, why we celebrate it at this time of year in DC, uh, really cool history. And this is sort of the kind of the peace and, and relationship friendship that we, we sort of need that reminder right now. Yeah. So I absolutely love that. And of course, like being from, from Guam too, we, we come across like a lot of folks from Japan, a lot of citizens from Japan and just absolutely love I mean, we could go off on a tangent talking about the food, one of my favorite cuisines, but I'm going to bring us back to talk about your time in the uniform. Like you say, going growing up, you had that experience being a world traveler. I can't see why you wouldn't pick the army to where you could get stationed in the middle of nowhere. But the fact that you chose the Navy, uh, you really wanted to, to broaden your horizon, so to speak. And so Tell us a little bit about your time in the uniform. We know you served in the Navy, but what did you do? Where did you go? Let's share all of that. (laughs) Okay. Well, yeah. So, so the reason for joining the Navy was my mother said with a first name like yours, you should join the Navy. And I guess I took that to heart. 
I really love that. When you first told me that I was dying, I just, well, the, the, my name. So, so Marina, the Latin root of Marina is Marinus and Marinus means of the sea. And what Which color is probably is your why hair I right like now? the ocean and swimming and all that stuff so much. Can you it's, tell people what color your hair is right now for those who can't see it, you? It, it's like teal and blue. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. So yeah, just like the ocean, very nautical, very you, very marina. And yes. goodness, I, I mean, and you already went to so many places. You mentioned Japan, but what are some locations that really st- stick out to you from your, your career or or maybe even where, because you were on a ship, correct? Yes, I was. Yeah. So by the end of my Navy career, I had been on three, been stationed specifically on three ships. Two were, man, I'm dating myself, Spruance class destroyers, which no longer exist in the United States Navy. Yeah, they're all decom. So, uh, <laughs> and then I did also a tour on a uh, amphibious. Uh, it's called an LHD, which is a basically it's a small version of an aircraft carrier. It's for mostly helicopters or helos, as as we call them in the Navy. Do you guys call them helos in the in the Army too, or they you call them like choppers? Well, now you're making me think of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Get to the chopper. Get to the chopper. (laughs) Okay, your impersonation is way better than mine. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Well, my my, uh, thoughts just left my brain. There it goes. I'm waving goodbye to it. So, (laughs) but when you talk about, you got to see all those cool things. I mean, you're on an amphibious ship, which means that, did did you end up working with a lot of Marines as well? Yes. Yes. So aren't you, aren't you like the, the taxi cab to the Marine Corps? Is that, is that what it was? No, it no. We're the Uber. Yes. Oh, so the every Uber. Time it's the oh, the Uber. Birthday, every time it's the Marine's birthday, I always put a post up on, on LinkedIn and I say, you know, a happy birthday from your favorite Uber drivers because, you know, Navy people, we, we're the Uber driver, you know, we just take them where they want to go. We drop them off, pick them back up later and bring them to the next spot. Wait. I mean, that's really what we do on, on an amphib. So yeah, it was fun though. I mean, one of the things that I remember about my very last deployment, which was back in 2015, man, I can't believe that's like seven years ago, almost we went, Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I, I lost my train of thought for like a half a second there. We were we were seeming and we noticed another military ship out there. We come to find out that it was a French ship. And cool. someone, you know, does a little parlez-vous français, right? Basically, they 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 came to me because they knew people already knew that I spoke French. And they said, hey, you know, we've got a friendship over here and we could do some cross-decking, you know, do some some tours and stuff. And what I ended up doing was getting, looking, because I was the training, one of the training officers, and I, and I looked to find out who spoke French because we had a list of, you know, the languages people spoke other than English. Boom. I could bring a list of people up. So I found all the French speakers, got them all mm-hmm. together. We ended up doing tours for the people from the ship. Uh, from this French ship it was called the Cassar. Okay. And um, oh my gosh, so much fun. And 
after, after they came to see us, they said, Hey, we would like to bring all of the translators. Plus if you have some other people that want to come, they did the same thing. They, so we went over to their ship. Now what there's something that almost every other country's naval service does that the U S does not. They allow drinking at mealtimes. Australia, Australia has a, a, a saying, which I find hilarious. It's two beers per person per day, perhaps. Right. Isn't that funny? Fascinations are on point. Oh my goodness. I practice my Australian when I do. I, I, cause I have my, my daughter loves when I do my, uh, my Steve Owen, you know, like she, she oh. pretends to be, this is when she was younger. She, she, she'd pretend to be a Jaguar or something. So I'd say, uh, this is Steve and I'm walking through the jungle and, and, and I, I see a, a Jaguar and she's stalking her prey. And, and my daughter would be like, come out and, and attack, you know, but no, it was, That's it was stupid. so fun. So cool. It was so fun to be on this French ship because we we actually got to drink some wine with you know, with our lunch. Which well, what I'm hearing is that do. you were an Uber driver and now and then you're a tour guide. Now I'm a tour guide. <laughs> you're and a translator. You know a little bit a little bit of everything. What was your uh, official job in in the Navy? What what's the oh gosh, okay. I'm thinking so, of like our military occupational specialty? Did you have different ones during your time in service? So the Navy is completely different from all the other branches where you are a, you have a rank, but each of your specialties, like you can have multiple specialties with the Navy, right? Like you can have, you can change your MOS and be different things throughout your career, right? Oh my gosh, I almost knocked my drink over. But you all wanted to be completely different from everybody else and decided to not do that. What, yeah. what was, I mean, with, well, you you didn't have the official title of Uber driver or I French no, translator, no, no. but <laughs> you did have the job of what? Say when you first came in. So that, yeah, that's what I was saying. Like I, I was a, a sonar technician when I first came in you know, as a, as an E1. And by the time I made E7, which is a chief in the, in the Navy, I think it's a, what, a Sergeant first class for you. Right. Yes. And mm-hmm. then when I was in my last about six or seven years, uh, I, I ended up, I was still a sonar tech, but cause that's what my rate is. Because we're different, like I said, in the Navy, we're different. We have rates instead of just ranks with MOSs. We have rates, and then we have something called an NEC, which is a Navy Enlisted Classification Code. And you can have multiple ones of those, and whichever one you're using is the one that's like the top one. So 809 Alpha is the Command Climate Specialist. And what a Command Climate Specialist is, is basically it's an Equal Opportunity Specialist or Equal Opportunity Director. Which is such and a good, I think so it's such a natural role. I used to do the, role. really, the diversity inclusion That's training right. and, and things like that at my last two commands. Did you have, um during that that time, because you had mentioned when what you were when you first came in, the sonar technician, to doing the diversity, equity, inclusion, 
Are there one or two people, two leaders that stick out from your career that that really helped mold you and shape you during that time? Oh, wow. That is a very good question. Because we're talking about the whole span of of how many how many years did you end up serving? Oh, 24. Yeah, See, I, I think that's I think that's years. absolutely amazing. Absolutely incredible. That's even more than than some of the folks in my family who did their their 20 and they were done and you just went a little bit extra. So, I mean, and then we talked about this before about like you served in a time where there there's still I mean, there's still not a whole lot of women now, but way more than there were when you first came in. So, Definitely. I mean, whether whether they were men, women, just are there two that stick out to you? Oh, I would have to say one of the two people would definitely be April Beldo. April Beldo is is just a phenomenal, phenomenal woman. Absolutely inspiration. She was a a command master chief and then a a fleet master chief. And just I can't even explain. Like I was hoping, hoping that she would be the first not only woman, but woman of color, also McPawn, which is the Master Chief Petty Officer of the Navy. I was hoping mm. and hoping, but she retired before that happened. And then, you know, I'm going to go, and this is going to be, you're probably going to wonder why, but I'm going to go a little more negative here with, so I went on a ship as an instructor Mm-hmm. not going to say the ship. I'm not going to say the people went on the ship as an instructor when I was doing instructor duty a long time ago, I'll put it that way. And, you know, I, I wasn't a very high rank at that time. And an, an officer decided that he was going to hit on me. And I made it a point to tell his chain of command and nothing came of that. That later on down the road, I ended up testifying, you know, to the, to some of the things, you know, that, that he had said to me and to other people, you know, and he ended up getting kicked out, which that is the good side of it. But the fact that, that, uh, of that happening, that made me want to bring military women's collective to the forefront like it was something that started in my mind back then. And this is, you know, probably almost 20 years ago. That's, that's crazy. And it, it was something that, you know, women shouldn't be felt, it shouldn't feel like they're invisible. They shouldn't feel like they're not being heard because when I told his chain of command, they did not believe me. It wasn't until later on where he did something else where he got caught then they were like, oh, sorry. But back then, not feeling seen and heard made me want to create a space, a place for other women veterans to come and know that there is, I mean, and this is on directly on my website. It talks, the, the whole mission is women warriors or warriors mm-hmm. offering mentorship, empowerment, networking, and support. And then our values are community, authenticity, positivity, empathy, 
and success because we want you as as women and our and the allies because I'm not like trying to bash men in any shape or form here at, at all I'm married to him though that sounded bad I'm married to, I'm married to a man no I, I'm 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 in no way trying to do that I right. love our male allies like we have you and I just personally have so many and absolutely we do and I think that during and I mean I'm so glad that you brought up military women's collective because we are definitely going to definitely highlight that because thank you for sharing your story, by the way, your personal experience with that. And, and unfortunately, I, I I have heard other uh, stories where women have felt that they weren't heard. And you and I've had numerous conversations about this. So if you were addressing a room like during during the transition, you would address and mentor numerous people even before you even got out of the, the Navy, before you even took off your uniform, you were sort of leaning back, reaching back, saying, let me help you. I'm here to hear you. I do hear you. Uh, and, and you did that for me numerous times during my transition from active duty. So to, to go back to like what you were saying about the, the Values Military Women's Collective, like if you were to talk to a room full of transitioning service members now, what are what are some things that you would like to say to them? Maybe perhaps they're um, listening in right now. And what would you like to say? I mean, there's so many resources out there I mean, do you want me to list any? Can I do that? Or, I mean, there's you, just, there- you absolutely can. I because I I know that you and I've gone through through numerous ones. I was thinking about what what you were saying to to not feeling feeling heard, and I think that during the transition we we sort of go through that the doubts about what yeah. we're capable of doing, and and we have this whole identity that we're still working through and trying to figure out what our next purpose is, our next mission is. And so knowing that we're not alone in that, I think is, is huge. And you touched on that, about that, that community. And like, we're, we're warriors internally. We raise our right hand to serve, but we're also, we're like the sheepdogs. We're the protectors, the defenders, we're right. selfless, patriotic, but it doesn't mean that we, we don't need help and that we can't admit it's not, a, it's okay to Absolutely. ask for help. And, and, and that honestly, help, right? that was really what, when you asked me the question yes. about what I would say to them is to ask for help, ask for help and start the transition process from the military at minimum two years out. And I know like, especially the younger, like for, for, for me, younger sailors, right. I know they're not thinking about that because maybe they're thinking, I'm just going to do four years and then I'm going to get out. Yeah, but what are you going to do when you get out? At four years, you don't get a retirement. There's, are you just going to go home and live with your parents? I mean, not live with your parents. Do you have, or are you going to go home and and find a place of your own because you budgeted your money correctly? You know, that, I mean, that's a huge thing too. Make sure that you pay down all your debt or as much as you can before you get out. Mm, uh, and this goes more advice. towards like, I mean, obviously to, it goes to everyone, but I would say more towards people that are like retiring, you know, cause well, gosh, no, <laughs> it, it really does go for everyone because when, when you're retiring, yes, you're going to end up getting some money coming in, but when, but if you're not, and you're, and you're just getting out after, you know, one enlistment, then the only way you would end up getting any kind of 
compensation would be if it was a medical retirement or medical separation. So and I'd love to add mentorship in there too. Because yeah, I mean, on top of everything that you're saying, uh, you were one of the biggest mentors that I that I had in my transitioning. You hadn't even transitioned fully out, but I mean, you and I both con- connected with so many people that were already they already successfully navigated the transition. They were already out. Some of them had never served before as well. And so I think that, again, just that camaraderie piece, that sense of community, that sense that we're not alone is, is so important, which, which sort of leads me into hearing what you're doing now. I mean, you, you, you officially launched Military Women's Collective recently. You're official. Congratulations. I'm super proud of you. Um, Could you share with the listeners a little bit about what you're doing now and a little bit about this incredible new organization that you just founded? Um, Yes, definitely. So what I am doing now, well, actually, I I guess I can announce something that I just- Oh, yeah, I'm uh, ready. Okay. (laughs) So I just actually accepted an offer to be the- regional director for the west coast for four block very exciting i'm i'm super happy and then like you said of course i did launch but yeah that like you were saying i you know i did launch military women's collective officially we got our 501c3 um, earlier this week and then yesterday we went to our first event and then you know tomorrow so this is well, let's see what March 20, actually, no, not tomorrow, today, March 24th, we're doing a, an event with Vets to Industry for their Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion series. And then uh, in June, we're looking to do a Women Veterans Day. So June 12th is Women Veterans Day. It was the day that President Truman signed the Integration Act saying that women could serve in the military. And so we're going to be doing a virtual and an in-person event. Virtual event is going to be a a panel moderated by, by myself. And I'm just, I'm really excited for, you know, future events to take place. We're looking at creating uh, some scholarships and also working with homeless uh, women veterans. So yeah, I, and all of this came about, you know, from talking with you and from other people that, you know, are, are, we are friends with, and, and I ended up deciding to go to school, going back to school because of everything that we're doing uh, with Military Women's Collective. Yeah, I ended up going, so I'm to the Bush School of, um, of Government and Public Service, and I'm doing the Executive Masters of Public Service and Administration with a nonprofit track. So whew. absolutely perfect. Congratulations on, on getting in as well. I know you had, a, you had gone through that process and applied. Um, and, and for all our listeners, mind you that Marina has managed to do all this. She hasn't even, what you, you're just now, you just hit a year from retirement, like yeah. really about a month ago. Right. So it, well, I mean, no, it was like three weeks ago. Yeah. It, March 1st ago. was my March 1st of 21 was my first quote unquote blue card day. You know, it was my, cause back in the day, uh, retirement, when you retired your card 
Uh, it was this laminated blue card. Now it doesn't look like that, but yeah, March 1st of 21 or 22. So March 1st of 23, which was three weeks Amazing. ago. Yeah. So now you're, I mean, you, you started your own nonprofit organization. You're now running like West coast side of the with four <laughs> block. I mean, I mean, absolutely amazing. You're in school now. And so, I mean, the folks out there listening, like how in the world I'm going to manage it. Marina has somehow managed to find 40 hours in a day. She somehow um, figured it out okay. and still looks well-rested. <laughs> I think it's absolutely amazing. I, I mean, I'm so proud of you because you and I started hand in hand. We've actually, by the way, have never met in person. in person. I feel like you've literally met everybody else in our network, except for me. And Leslie, I haven't met Leslie out. in person haven't met our famous Leslie Coffee. we were talking about dear friend of ours. Uh, but the fact that you've managed to do all this in the last year and, and from where we were in our initial conversations of just trying to think about what are we going to do? What's next for us? Um, and, and, and even as we approach the nearing weeks to our last day on active duty and we're like, you know, where's where is that interview at that I've been waiting on? But as you can tell, we're, we're still writing that book. You're still writing that you know, quote unquote, that, that story, this chapter of yours post-transition, and it's just been an an incredible journey for you. And so for the, you're you're located where now is your, is Military Women's Collective going to just be focusing on West Coast or where are you hoping to to take MWC? So yeah, for now, um, we are focused more here on, in California so far events have been in Riverside and San Diego County, but with the, the homeless women initiative that I'm trying, that I want, not trying, but that I want to create, it's possible that it could reach into LA and San Bernardino County, which are the left or west of me and, and north of me. Um, so, and then from there, who knows? I mean, I, I would love to go, create chapters and, or, you know, expand globally, you know, what is it? What is it? Um, you remember Pinky in the Brain? What do we yes. to do tonight, um, Brain? What do we do every night, Pinky, to try to take over the world? Oh so my goodness. Yes. MWC is going to take over way, the we're, world. we're taking it way back. We're taking it throwback to the that little was cartoons. It, that, yes. Well, I was telling you just a little bit ago that my goal is to, when I speak, to just imagine the American flag flying behind Bugs Bunny, because that's the, this is, this is what I'm talking about here, but absolutely amazing that you're, you're so selfless. I mean, we talk about your number one gal of strength before, uh, you know, you mentioned connectedness and you and I talked about that was, that's our number one for both of us and and what that means. And I have no doubt, I mean, you know, people from all over the world that you're able to take Military Women's Collective uh, beyond. So for our listeners today, definitely encourage uh, reaching out to Marina to to see how you can help, see how you can support and get involved. Because I I have no doubt that you're going to be going beyond California uh, and that we got to get you out here on the East Coast to see the cherry blossoms here in DC. But that was, so for the do you see when engaging some of the the women veterans? What are some of the needs there? You talked about your your personal journey 
and your personal experience in the Navy that really sparked that light that you wanted to do something more. Um, and then understanding that there were other women veterans that may have had similar experiences. Uh, what are some other, are there some other issues that you would like to highlight that really speaks to what Military Women's Collective is all about? Wow. I mean, I, I definitely, the, the kind of initiatives that we're looking at doing is things like scholarships, you know, like, like I was saying a little bit earlier, um, but we can't do that without don donations, of course. And then as a 501c3, donations are tax deductible, which is awesome. We definitely are looking in, not sure about this year, but possibly later this year or, or next year, we're looking at doing a, you know, a golfing fundraiser. I just, I, I, I'm very excited about doing collaborations with other nonprofits as well. I'm in talks with a, a young women and girls nonprofit about doing collaboration there. And, and, and that collaboration is going to be part of the June 12th Women Veterans Day event. I'm excited for that very much. Yeah, so. I, I, you know, I, I want to try to do at least one, at least one uh, event, either in person or, or virtually uh, per month, you know, because I, I really want that that connection. I mean, just like, just like the values talks about, you know, the community, I want uh, there to be that, that, that sense of community and, and camaraderie and connection, you know, that, that women have when they, when they come together. And as a woman veteran, you know, being able to, to talk with other women veterans about things that you've been through or active duty women asking yes these women that have, you know, blazed a trail for you because the, the history repeats itself. Right. So asking things that have happened in the past could help right. them in the future. How can our male listeners support? Cause I think when we hear military women's collective, it's got the word women naturally, but I, I understand that there's also uh, men out there that are, you know, and others that may want to get involved. And yes. uh, what, what would you like to say to them about what they can do to support? You know, just be an ally. Um, if you hear, if you're in a meeting, I mean, this can be, this could be, if you're in the military, this could be, if you're in corporate, if a woman brings up an idea and there's nothing but crickets and then two minutes later, somebody else brings up the same idea, but is a but is a man this time, and all of a sudden it's a great idea. You, as an ally, need to say, "Hey, John," because you know maybe he's that's the name of the guy that brought up the idea. Thank you for echoing Mary Kate's idea. Mm. That is an ally not sitting there and just glossing over the fact that you just had an idea that you brought forward that nobody that nobody recognized that nobody you know said anything they they didn't um there's another word for it i just can't think of it uh yeah it's like nobody else came up with it it was that person's right, idea but they, they didn't acknowledge that's what i that's what i was trying to say they didn't acknowledge it and and it, it just kind of you know nothing happened and then the exact same idea, but brought forth from the male perspective, you know, that is the kind of thing that 
that when you're in a, in a meeting and, and no one stands up for you and you stand up for yourself and then people just laugh you off, that kind of thing wears down on a, on a woman after a while, you know? And so I, I, I want other women to know that, no, you don't have to sit there and take that. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and, and as men, if you see this happening, please stand up for us and be our allies because you do not know how much we appreciate it. Like so, so much. That's, that's so true. I, I think there's numerous, I, I love that you actually use the word allies. I mean, cause I don't think that would be common to think of it of what your ask would be. Um, but I really like that, that concept of those out there who, who may not identify with what's going on, may not have a personal experience, like what Marina's mentioning, but to know that you can be an ally and that you can speak up and be a voice and that, that it's really powerful. It may, it may not mean as much, but to that, to that individual, it can mean a whole lot, make a, a huge difference. And I, I think, even on teams where I've served on all male teams, which I have in my military career, yeah. uh, just having that acknowledgement, right. Even by, by one. And it's not to say that you need that solidification, but if they're trying to take credit for something, that's really your idea. It's like, don't doubt your, your capabilities or like to find that voice to speak up. And I think there were right. times it wasn't until I, I I've had um, strong, leaders in, in the military that really helped me see through that and helped me identify that, find my voice to speak up, say something. Uh, and I definitely think I'd take that opportunity. Uh, we talked recently about uh, a female, a, a woman uh, in the military that she was in a, a, a ball of tears because another woman leader had actually continued, kept scolding her, scolding her, scolding her and belittling her and making her feel less than and so it was like another thing about on the flip side of that, of uh, how as women, we can empower other women. And I think with Military Women's Collective, you've really created that space to where women do feel empowered to, right. to say, you know, I actually do have something to offer and I can stand up and speak up and, and help mentor this other person. Absolutely. I mean, because it's, it's, it's so much, it's so much about just knowing as women that we're worthy and we're enough and you know we can do whatever it is we we set our mind to i know i sound like some kind of poster or something but, but no, it's, uh, it's it's valid it's a valid message and uh and and it's something sometimes we you might think okay that's obvious you know next but it we really sometimes we need that reminder mm -hmm. and especially to not feel that sense of of jealousy that somebody else is, it seems like they're doing okay. And they're, they seem to be balancing everything with perfect grace and they've got it all together and they've managed to put 40 hours in 20 of work into 24 hours. And you're like, they've got it together. Um, but there's, there's a lot behind um, smiles, you know, in, in some cases, but people oh, being yes. able to being able to speak up and, and knowing that they have people, even if it's a small tribe, even if you have a small group that you know that you could pick up the phone right now and know that you could call them right now in the middle of anything, they would drop it to answer that call if you needed it. I think that's so important to have folks like that in your, in your circle. And I know we've, we've identified those people in it and it's so important Absolutely. to get through those down days. Absolutely. I mean, I think we, uh, 
we ended up calling it transition buddies or battle buddies. What you, myself and buddy Matt, we were like this, we called ourselves the three musketeers or the three M's or M cubed. <laughs> yeah, we, I mean, the three of us were on the, the supply chain, supply chain now we were, uh, for yeah. veterans day, the three of us, the three M's, but Matt, Marina, myself, Mary Kate. So yeah, that, absolutely. And, and again, Matt have been that male ally of us. He, oh, God, during yes. our down days, he really stepped up to the plate uh, to, to really make sure that we knew you know, y- y'all got it. <laughs> You're doing great. Oh Keep yeah. He, he's amazing. So I love that again, battle buddies, allies, camaraderie. I mean, it's all circling back here. That same, um, we talk about the, the three C's of collaboration and, and that community camaraderie. So I really love that Marina. And I really, if, if our listeners today want to get in touch with you, I know you have like a whole tree <laughs> different, different ways, but I, I love that you're just out there. You make yourself accessible and approachable. And I absolutely love that about you. So how, how are some, what are some ways that uh, our listeners can get a hold of you? Wow. Okay. So LinkedIn for sure. Um, you can, you can get in contact with Military Women's Collective on LinkedIn or myself on LinkedIn. I'm thinking I'm pretty much the only Marina Rabinek that I've seen. Otherwise, so- Email is marina.rabinek at militarywomenscollective.org. And Military Women's Collective is all one word. Let's see. And I'm not on Facebook. I'm not on Instagram, but I've been thinking about getting back on Instagram, but I don't know. You are a Canva pro though, even though I'm on social media, but you're so good at creating content. I so love Canva. And then of course the website is https colon double forward slash www.militarywomenscollective.org. Fantastic. Is there a way that, um, is it, how can they go about volunteering? Is it, oh, is it also on the website as well? Yes, there is. So under the get involved, you can click on, there's a volunteer your time, there's a make a donation, and there's a partner with us for the get involved. If you click on the get in touch, it will take you to an email uh, and it'll it'll send an email to info at militarywomenscollective.org. That's the another website uh, or not website, but you know, email address you can send it to. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Marina, for joining us today on Veteran Voices. Uh, to our partners at Vets to Industry. I mean, Marina and I, that's how we met. We mentioned Matt, yes. Matthew Brink uh, earlier, but that's how we all met was through Vets to Industry with the number two. Uh, so vetsindustry.org, you definitely want to check them out. Just we, on behalf of the entire team here at Veteran Voices, we just want to say thank you. Thank you, Marina. Thank you to our listeners. We invite you to find us and subscribe wherever you get podcasts from. And a big thank you to our nearest and dearest Vets industry, but also so glad that Military Women's Collective could join us today. And this is Mary-Kate Saliba wishing all of our listeners nothing but the best. Stay motivated, do good, get forward, and be the change that's needed in this world at this time. On that note, we'll see you next time. Thank you, everybody, for joining us.